This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you are listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 95 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast. In this episode, I am excited to share an interview I did with Hallie Sherman from Speech Time Fun. Hallie is a school speech language pathologist and also is a business owner. She has a blog and she has a ton of resources that she's created on Teachers Pay Teachers that she has put into a membership site for therapists. And she shares a little bit about her journey, how she came to create some of those resources, and how she was able to identify a key need in the field and do something about it for herself and in a way that's helped hundreds, probably thousands, actually, of other clinicians. So I wanted to have her on just because I thought this was a great example of how to show leadership within the clinical community, how to be creative in the ways that you create resources and tools to serve your own caseload, as well as how you can use that clinical knowledge to create a side income and also to share your knowledge with other people in the field. We also talk a little bit about some of the mental hurdles that we both faced when thinking about what we share online, how we show up with our online presence, and what that's like uh, being somebody who shares things online, has videos and posts that 
all the world can see and just some of the internal mental struggles that go behind that and how to get through them. So I hope that you find this interview useful if you are a clinician, whether you're an SLP or whether you are in some other discipline, I think you'll find it really useful if you see some things that need to be done within your facility, within your field, and you are struggling with something specifically on your caseload and you want to find a solution, I would encourage you to use this example as a a way to inspire yourself to think of some creative solutions that can benefit you, your caseload, and other people in your field. Before we get going, I wanted to mention a free resource that I've created for pediatric therapists, which is my 30 skills and tools to foster generalization. If you are a clinician, you know that generalization is a huge issue regardless of what skills you're working on, but it is especially an issue if you are working on things like language and executive functioning or even just social emotional goals, and you're struggling to get students to apply the skills that you are working on with them outside of the therapy room and across settings. So the key with generalization is that it is a team effort, but figuring out how to share that information with other people and give other people the tools, skills, knowledge, and the beliefs that they need in order to support kids across the day, is no small task. That's why we need to do it creatively with a concept that I refer to as asset stacking, where you create skills and tools strategically over time instead of trying to build them all at once. And what this can allow you to do is use a number of different types of service delivery and a number of different ways to spread your clinical knowledge to other people. But if you're going to make that happen, you need to build the right skills and you need to build the right tools one at a time. But knowing what you actually need to create and what skills you need to work on can be kind of confusing. And that's why I wanted to outline 30 of them that you can start shipping away at in this free guide. I will say it is not designed for you to do all of these things at once. How you want to use this guide is you want to start with the master plan, which is the very first asset that I recommend building. And then use that to build one thing at a time. So over time, you can start to use your skills to make a huge impact on your caseload that you have now, as well as other people in the field, kind of like what Hallie and I get into in our conversation today. So to download that free guide, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash generalization, and you'll be able to download the 30 skills and tools to foster generalization guide. Again, that is drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash generalization. So now please enjoy this interview with Hallie Sherman. So today I am joined by Hallie Sherman from Speech Time Fun. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I thought we would start off by having you just share a little bit about yourself and just tell us about your origin story. Sure. So... I became an SLP back in 2007. I am here in New York on Long Island, if you cannot tell by my thick Long Island accent. And I knew back then, even though I 
didn't know I was originally wanting to be an SLP. I knew that I always wanted to work in the schools and make an impact and work with the other professionals involved. But back then, there was a job shortage. At the time, it just happened to work out the exact year I graduated. Like the first year, there was jobs, but I had no experience. And then all of a sudden, I had experience, but then there were no jobs. So Mm. I was hop. I know, I know, just worked out in my luck, I guess. So I was hopping from leave replacement or leave replacement determined to get myself into the schools and doing whatever I needed and whatever possible. And I fell upon a leave replacement work. I, one, one leave replacement I had was working with middle school and high school students mm-hmm. where I had no idea what I was doing. There was no Pinterest. There was no teachers pay teachers. Well, there was, but like no one what knew year about was this. this. That was 2008, nine. Okay. Huh. And that year, um, then I went from there to working with a K to five building. And then I got a job working with fifth and sixth grade, which is where I am today. Okay. And again, I had no idea what I was doing. Brand new once again. And you, anyone who's new in a building, new in a district knows you can't perfect your craft like that first year. You're still learning like the culture. Yeah, where, like, totally. Where, where do I go in this building? Like, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? You're not even thinking. You're just surviving. Mm-hmm. So those first few years, I really was just constantly in survival mode and learning again. And and I was just presenting with what I thought. I, I was given these goals. I inherited them because it was what the previous SLP gave me. So sequencing, main idea, inferencing, predicting. I'm like, okay, um, sure. I bought some books on Amazon that were like for ELA teachers and reading teachers, and I would just do that with them. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, my students were polite and receptive and they went with it. But then I had a student and we'll we'll call him Kay. And he gave me a run for my money. He really um, had some choice words in my room. Let's okay. leave it at that. That's he was a, a true behavior. And I really had to dig deep on, okay, why is he acting this way? And I realized with doing some investigations and speaking to the teachers, like clearly he's been acting like he's acting this way and not just my room. Yeah. I sure and sure enough, he wasn't. He's acting like this everywhere. And I found, learned to find out, even though he was in, Fifth grade, he was reading on a kindergarten level. Hmm. Yeah. But he was socially like with it enough to know, like he didn't want his peers to know that. He was Ugh. embarrassed for being with me and having people realize that he can't read. And here I was making him read. Yeah. Here's a speech teacher. Do I have to make him read? I don't think I have to make him read. So that's when I started changing up my style of therapy and and I started having wins with him which of course ended up having wins with the rest of my caseload because I realized do I have to make them read and and all the things I'm doing with him he's been exposed in the classroom to working on main idea and summarizing I have to teach it differently so once I started having wins with him I was like I need to share this with other SLPs that might benefit from this and that was when I started my blog speech time fun I didn't think anyone was going to read it. I literally thought it was going to be like an online journal for me to just document like some therapy ideas that was going on in my speech room. And sure enough, 
people started reading it. People started finding it because there was not much out there for working with the older speech students. And that's when I opened up my Teachers Pay Teacher store. Then people people were asking me for more support and more help. And that's when I started doing professional development. And now I also have a podcast, SLP Coffee Talk, where I share practical therapy ideas for working with older speech students. And the list goes on and on. Any way I can support SLPs working with older speech students so that they can plan quickly and confidently and don't have the experiences that I did back in the day. And you also have a membership community, right? Which where you've taken a lot of this, a lot of the things that you've built and put it all into one uh, community for SLPs. Yeah. So I have like over 600 resources in my teacher's pay teacher store at this point, because it's been at this point, 11, almost 11 years since I opened that. And I found that many SLPs were coming to me saying, I wish I could just buy your whole store, or I don't know where to begin with your store because there's so many things I mm-hmm. could possibly need. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to say, okay, not only you can go to my teacher's pay teacher store and get the resources that you need and find them, but what if I could take that browsing piece out? What if I can not only give you what you need, but teach you how to use it? So I give you the educational and support piece. And that's when I created my membership SLP Elevate, where every month we have a high interest theme for older speech students, grades four through 12. Um, so this is January. Our theme is YouTube this month. Obviously something that middle school, high school students are into. That's all I, most students are into these days. Yeah. So the big YouTubers and things of that nature. So um, all of our resources are written at a lower grade level, but look appropriate for our older speech students. And it's tackling all those common goals, such as context clues, main idea, inferencing. But the scaffolding is built in so you can teach your students how to do it in a different way. That is always something that comes up for me as well. Just the when students are not reading at grade level, but they're very aware, probably like your student that you mentioned, and it's embarrassing. They don't like to do it. And so since they don't like to do it, they're not practicing, which means they're getting further behind. And, you know, there's the Matthew effect. But then at the same time, if they're going to get better, they have to do all of the things that you just mentioned. So yeah, that I imagine is very valuable because that's something that comes up a lot where it's, you know, they they don't have things that are that are of interest to them at their age that are also things that they can actually utilize without really hitting their frustration threshold. Right. Our students are frustrated. They are, they're aware that they're struggling learners. Why do I have to give them a three paragraph article? Why not give them one paragraph where they can be successful and learn the skills and build that confidence up and then build from there? Yeah. Many of these students, they, on their IEPs, they have tests read to them. So instead of working on reading, which is not necessarily going to be beneficial. Let's build up their listening comprehension skills. So when they work, when they get their tests read to them, they have some self advocacy. So like, hey, I need to hear that again, or I need to listen for key words, or I need to work on some note taking strategies while I'm listening so that I can be successful because I know that looking back in the text is going to be a challenge for me because I can't, it, it, I'm a struggling reader. Um, so different things like that, I like to teach my students and teach SLPs that I work with, work with their students that how can we think of a different approach so that we, one, build our students' trust and get those quick wins with them so they're willing to take risks when things get a little bit more challenging. Yeah, definitely. 
So when you were thinking about the, you know, as you are creating resources, you're probably creating things that you would have used yourself with your students as you're building your Teachers Pay Teacher store, correct? I am. I'm still in the school full time. So I'm still working with those fifth and sixth grade students. I'm still in that building that I saw Kay in, although that was many moons ago. And um, I have a lot, you know, of years of experience since then, but I'm using my resources with my students as well. So they're tried and true tested with my own students. So I know that they're, they do work and the approaches do work because I'm seeing the progress within my own speech room. Yeah. When you initially decided to start building, creating resources, what was your thought process behind that? Did you think, oh, this is going to be something that I use myself and it's going to save me some time? Were you thinking that it was going to be something that you could use to share with other SLPs or teachers? Like, what, where did you see that going when you started creating those things? I started just making prettier versions of like things that were on index cards and a permanent yeah. marker. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's how my initial, like I used to always just start making things by scratch, but like they, they were just for me. Yeah. I didn't expect anyone yeah. to ever see it. And then I started doing the research on like, okay, in order for it to be on teachers pay teachers, like I can't have like my handwriting on an index card. I need to have right. it like in a PDF version and clip art and all that fun stuff. I honestly didn't think anyone was going to, use it. It was really yeah. like, let me see what happens. I had no idea. No clue. Yeah. So when, when I first saw like that someone purchased it and utilized it, I'm like, wow. Like, and then, and then it got the feedback, like, wow, this was so helpful. Like there was nothing like this out there at the time. Just it inspired me to keep on going. Do you use those resources to share information with teachers and, and with, you know, your students like things that they can be doing at home as well. I always try my best to, and it, it's just funny because we just recorded a podcast on my episode on this topic. It yeah. is, I know it's teachers I can report that to. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny now, some teachers in the building that I work with, they know I'm creating resources now. So they know they, they see them themselves and they're like, okay, like, sure. Yeah. Um, but I also, which is interesting because we always often as SLPs like don't want to go to teacher meetings and don't want to go to the teacher trainings. I find it so eye-opening to go to them and seeing what the teachers are learning yeah, and what gaps I can fill mm-hmm. that like, like even for example, I was at a training just a week ago or so ago and they were teaching the teachers how to utilize. I, I think it's like, I see, I think, and I wonder something. I rem- I forgot what the exact, like, which is very similar, which is what I like to do is I see, I know, and I can guess, but they didn't have the, I know piece in there that I like, I like to tap into the background knowledge of what making yeah. inferences, but I thought it was interesting. They were teaching the kids to wonder, but they weren't teaching the kids how. Yeah. And I was like, where are the scaffolds to like, show them what it means like to wonder? Like, and I was like, okay, like that, I was sitting there literally thinking to myself, okay, if I know the teachers in my building are going to be expecting their kids to do this, I can see the struggles they're going to have already. How can, when they come to me, I can fill in those gaps and these kids can then go back to their rooms and all of a sudden, like, look like miracle kids and fix it. And and yeah, sometimes I have some relationships with my teachers where I can like send them a quick email, see them at the photocopy machine. Um, I actually started becoming... 
building a rapport with the literacy coach in my building. This mm, way I can share one. with her, I could share with her and this way she's dispersing the information and it's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, sometimes it's not necessarily that you're like work on this with with these kids. It's just, hey, this is what I'm doing so that they understand what you're doing. And that I think can make people more aware of when to refer to you, when to come to you with questions, because it, you know, it's not the teacher's job to do everything that you're doing in therapy. That's why we have jobs. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, we're supposed to be the ones that are providing those additional scaffolds. Yes, teachers should be providing some scaffolding in the classroom as well. But there are certain things that it's like, that's why there are SLPs and and other, you know, literacy interventionists and you know, that's, that's what we're here for. So it it might be okay that sometimes the teachers aren't doing those. It's just knowing how to fill in those gaps. And even just knowing what the teacher's doing in the classroom. Like, I don't want to give oh, my yeah. students extra work. Like, oh my gosh, like they're going to, she wants me to do this. And my teacher wants me to do that. Like, then they're going to just give up. Like, I know that the teachers are making them do dot dot and jotters whatever they word it like in the margins i'm teaching my students what to write yeah the, the teacher's like just jot something down they're like oh no I'm like, okay let's come up with one key word that that whole paragraph is about done and then teaching them okay when you start jotting things down when you go to your questions let's look what we jotted at to know where the answer might be like let's teach them how to use what they wrote down so that i'm taking what the teachers are doing anyway and just putting a language spin on it and utilizing my expertise to teach them how to just do it more efficiently yeah. and if it, so that they see that it can work for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you see with a lot of these skills and with a lot of the resources that you offer, a lot of these things are taught by the teachers somewhat and probably also addressed by some of the other specialists. I know that I get a lot of questions about like, what do I do and what does the the special ed teacher do and what does the, you know, it maybe even the, the social worker, if they're also working on social emotional goals, how do you, when you see those areas where there is some kind of an overlap in scope, how do you problem solve and figure out what you should be working on versus what this other person, like what's your thought process behind thinking about that when, when there is a big, you know, when there is a team working with a child instead of just you. I like to think about why are they with me in the first place? Is it because of their vocabulary deficit? Is it because they um, have weak sentence structure that's causing them to struggle with X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Is it because they're listening comprehension or they're processing, which is hindering their ability to comprehend what they hear? Knowing that and knowing why they're struggling will change the approach where the teacher, I hate to say it, the teachers are given the same approach to everyone. Mm-hmm. They they have a curriculum. They have right. to meet it. They they If you don't have it by the end of the week, we're moving on to the next lesson, most likely. Right. And we're going to leave you in the, like, whatever. We ha- don't have a curriculum. We are working on one or two skills the entire year. And we can really hone in on, okay, let's, Take their weaknesses and build sh- and build and take their strengths and build upon their strengths to compensate for their weakness. So if their weaknesses is 
sentence structure, but their listening comprehension is whatever it might be. How can I help them do this task with tapping into their listening comprehension? So maybe let's having them listen and doodle and and utilizing the notes and sentence starters to help them trigger their memory. Or maybe it's their weak vocabulary. How can I teach them how to utilize context clues and prefixes and suffixes to help them comprehend the text so that they're not skipping words and missing out on entire meanings of things and being able to be successful. So knowing exactly why they're with us and also just not bombarding. So often we say, oh, they can't do this. They can't do this. They can't do this. Why can't they do it? Mm-hmm. What language deficit is causing them to struggle? And if you can answer that question, then you can say, okay, maybe they don't need me. Like, yes, I can help them, but am I the right person to it? Like, do they need to be with me? If it, maybe it is just a reading deficit. Maybe it is they are a struggling reader and they just need more support, maybe working at their reading level and building their comprehension skills at that level. But if there is a true speech and language deficit, then we need to hone in on that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always like to see it as, you know, sort of big picture first and see what everybody else is working on, because there's always going to be some overlap. Teachers can be good at working on language and they can work on some of the stuff that we do as well. But but yeah, just some of those things that you mentioned is typically where I end, would end up going as well, where it's sure teachers can work on vocabulary and prefixes and suffixes, but we can drill down into some specifics based on our background that not that other people can't do it, but we're already trained to do it. So it just makes sense based on our expertise to, to focus on those things. And we don't have 30 other kids in the room to deal with at the same exact yes, time. <laughs> that as well. Yeah. And I think that with the whole idea of the curriculum, it's like, well, that I mean, that's the teacher's job to present the curriculum. It's their job to be an expert in the curriculum. And then we can provide this other, we can come at it in the other direction where, yeah, we're thinking about the curriculum, but we're not thinking about it in the same way. Do you get a lot of questions about how do I align with the curriculum? Are people stressed about that, that yes. work with you? <laughs> yes, all the time. And my answer is everything we're doing is supporting the curriculum. Yeah. Our students can't totally. access the curriculum if they don't have the language skills to do so. So do you get pushback in the school about that or just questions from SLPs? More SLPs. Okay. In the schools, um, I think... I, no one really knows what I'm supposed to do. So no one really knows what to expect of me. I suppose that's an advantage. Which is an advantage. Like they're not giving me resources. So I'm making my own and I have my goals and it's fine and I'm not complaining. So they're seeing progress. Um, Like even I know like one of my first administrators, she was like, oh, I see like by the end of the year, you're discharging some students. Like clearly they made progress. The numbers are there. Like, and I'm like, yeah, the evidence is there. Like, it's not just me making things up. Like I really am supporting them by doing, I don't want to say my own thing, but, um, and there are plenty of SLPs that are, I got to do my curriculum. Maybe like, maybe they're working in the high school. Like I, the only way I can get carried over is if I'm doing it with the curriculum. And sure, as long as you're really truly understanding why the student is struggling and how you can make those uh, scaffolds and uh, strategies implemented so that they can really not just, I hate to say, get to the end result, 
but truly make progress at the same time. Well, and the way I, I look at it, again, same thing. They need the language skills to be able to access the curriculum. Our job is to get them to access the curriculum. So being curricularly aligned does not mean we're doing the same thing that the teacher's doing in the classroom. That would just be repeating the same thing that didn't work for them. Not saying that the teacher's not doing their job, just that they have a different job than us, and that's why we're there. So if what we do helps them access the curriculum, then we're aligned, even if it's not working on the same vocabulary word or the same exact skill. If we're working on a skill that's going to allow them to do whatever it is that they're doing in the classroom, then we're good. I think, I don't know, that to me, sometimes it's almost like people are worried that they're going to get in trouble. Or again, it's kind of the whole idea of, you know, we had just talked about this a little while ago, the idea of asking for permission, where sometimes just people not exactly understanding your role and not being told what to do is a benefit because then you're the one that gets to, you know, guide yourself and show people what your role is. So, so just because we're not working on the exact curriculum doesn't mean we're not relevant in helping our students. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have, if people are uh, thinking about, you know, if they feel like there's a gap in the resources available, the skills and knowledge, like what you kind of just got started and it just turned into this whole thing. What advice do you have for people who see a an issue and they're kind of like, what do I do about this? Where do I get started? Binge listen to my entire podcast. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> There's like 200 episodes. Um, but yeah. anyway, learn, you know, learn from those that have done it before and has seen success, like either come to my podcast, uh, come to my uh, uh, virtual speech retreat events, any sort of trainings that I provide. Um, but even just taking a different, being okay with taking a different approach and trying something new out with your students. Um, that'd be my best advice is to, um, not just throw in the towel, but to keep learning. As SLPs, we always need to realize we're lifelong learners, and that's okay. So um, I, I'm always here to support any SLP. I, I'm on Instagram. You can always send me a DM like, hey, I need help with X, Y, and Z. I'm always there to support and provide um, some assistance and things of that nature. So where can people go to learn more about you, the resources that you provide, and um, yeah, learn more about how they can learn from you? Sure. So I am on Instagram and Facebook at Speech Time Fun. My podcast is SLP Coffee Talk. My blog and my Teachers Pay Teachers store is Speech Time Fun. And my membership is slpelevate.com. But you can find all the links to everything on my blog as well. So not to worry. And you know what? I realized that I did not ask you a question I was going to ask you. So I was going to ask it now. So when you started your blog, you went by Miss Speechy and mm-hmm. not your your name. And then you did a big reveal. So what was like, why did you do that? And what was what was the thought process behind that? So when I started my blog, I was still not tenured in my building. Oh. So I was afraid of being... I don't know, Googleable like at the time. <laughs> at the time, like the whole TBT world, blogging world was like an unknown thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought like I can get in trouble somehow, even though I was doing it on my home computer, like a very DIY website. Like I didn't even tell my husband right away. Like oh, I wow. even like I started my teacher, like he was building his career. So I was like busy like at night watching Real Housewives doing this. And <laughs> I opened up my TBT store and I was like, by the way, honey, like I made like 10 bucks this month. And he was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> it's like I might I probably tell you we're going to get that. That was back when when we would get like checks in the mail, but, um, Oh my gosh. Uh huh. Wow. So then, so then like two, three years in, I ended up going to ASHA and doing a collaborative ASHA booth with 10 other TPT bloggers, SLP bloggers. And I was still anonymous and people like, I didn't know even know if I told like people coming up to the booth. I'm like, yes, I'm high. I'm a speechy speech time fun. And I realized just that I was limited on the impact I can have. If people didn't realize it was not a face behind, like that I was a real person. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm a real true SLP with true SLP issues. And I just decided, you know what? I am going to get over my fear of being discovered and fear of people judging or having negative things to say about whatever I had to put out there. And I was like, let me go big or go home. And I did. I had a big reveal, a big contest, the big this and that. I remember that. Uh, that was the days of Periscope. And I was like, let me Periscope it. I was like, let me show my face and show it everywhere. Um, and I really, truly r- realized right then and there when the reaction I got, that it was like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, that was mm-hmm. so silly of me. Yeah. It's so interesting how that all works. Where, you know, and I guess you get used to it. I mean, I go live on Facebook all the time and you kind of get desensitized. but. When you think about it, you're like, my face is out there on the internet. It's kind of, sometimes I just don't think about it. <laughs> I, I call it my alter ego. Like, I, hate, I don't want to say like people in my real world, but like people outside the speech world, like don't truly, under, like, what do you mean you have a podcast? Like, what do you mean you're presenting? What do you mean you're going like? Do you share you stuff on your personal profile or do you do it mostly on your professional? Mostly on my professional. Every once in a while, I'll share like, like a big, like, something that happened. Um, but I always get very anxious still about it. Like, oh my God, like what are people going to think? More of my coworkers, which is the funniest part. Um, but like, yeah, I just feel like I like to keep it separate, but, um, like even at this past ASHA convention, like people were coming up to me, like, and, and then there was a guy in the booth next to me and he's like, this is hysterical. Like people are fangirling or whatever. And I'm like, but outside of these convention with center walls, I'm a, I'm a nobody. <laughs> I'm just an SLP and a mom and doing my day to day of going to work and then coming home and driving carpools and doing homework and all that fun stuff. So yeah. I'm really just an SLP doing SLP things each and every day. I always feel more self-conscious posting stuff on my personal Facebook page, which I finally started doing when I started my podcast. But I always felt weird about that. I always, it's like, I'm, it's fine if it's strangers out in the SLP world, but it's weird if it's somebody who lives my, my next door neighbor or whatever. And again, I think you do have to just get over it because the truth is, is that a lot of people don't even care what you're doing. I mean, (laughs) when you think about it, it's like, they're like, oh, she posted something. Okay, whatever. And then they go on with their day. It's not a big thing to them. That to me, when somebody said that to me is like, people don't care. They literally don't care. That to me was very liberating. But um, like, how many people are posting like their meal plans and stuff like that? Like, 
I don't care. Let them yeah. go for it. Like, or like their workouts or what? Sure. So why can't I post what's going on in my world? Why not? So what do you think? I mean, how did that change for you when you did go public and show your face? I mean, what was different about the way that you did your business or the way that, you know, people reacted or how you felt about it? I felt more real. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wasn't lying anymore. Um, but also, I wanted to keep doing it and keep showing people like, hey, I'm right there in the trenches with you and here to support you. But then I also like, I went to different speech events and people started coming up to me. I'm like, oh my God, this is so weird. Oh like, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, and then like, like <laughs> legit, like over the summer, um, we were at a local pool. And this one, I was just talking with a bunch of moms. Like it was not a speech event, like mm-hmm. literally like neighborhood moms chit-chatting, you know, whatever. And one mom comes up to me. She goes, I have to say something. She's like, I follow you. Like I'm, I'm an SLP too. And I'm like, this is, and one of the other moms was like, wait, what's going on right now? Like, they're like, wait, wait, what? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, it's really okay. <laughs> That's so funny. So I had... So I was um, on my email list. I was, I don't know, somebody emailed me about, you know, I send out a marketing email and they, this woman sends me an email and was like, so do you walk your dog down this street in this neighborhood? And so I guess this woman's granddaughter lives by me. And it was just very, <laughs> very random. And I was like, yep. That's me. She's like, were you walking a yellow lab down this street by this park that she's like, not to sound like a stalker. And I was like, yeah, that's me (laughs) doing normal things like walking a dog. (laughs) I know. I know. I, I have not been, I really haven't done a lot of conventions since let's see, really since I started my business. And it was weird when I went to my state conference and people were like, oh, are you Dr. Karen? And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess my face is everywhere on my page. So you might know me. (laughs) It it really, it just shows that one makes us feel like, okay, people are listening. Yeah. And liking what we have to share. Like that we're talking about it and hoping, hoping someone's listening and that someone's getting value out of it. But by someone approaching us, we're realizing we are. So it's validating. Always, it's always interesting when somebody that you that's never commented on any of your stuff or said anything is like, oh, yeah, I used your your resource to do whatever. You know, you don't really know the impact that you have on people. And you think, you know, I was afraid to put this out and I was afraid to share this with people. And there's people who are using it that I don't even know and kids that are using it that I don't even know. I was at a wedding and my friend's mother, now mother-in-law approached me. <laughs> it was like, everyone's like, what's going on right now? And it's like, not like she's ever emailed me before, but like I made an impact on providing resources to help her out. So it's so true. You never know who who we are impacting and benefiting and who can utilize some support when things get a little bit stressful. Yeah. So I would say this is a PSA to people who are thinking about sharing things, making things and see that there's something that needs to be done. So yeah, just do it. Don't ask, don't wait for somebody to give you permission. Such great advice. Just do it. Okay. So um, 
let's see. I know that I had you say all of your sites, but we've been talking for a few minutes. So why don't you say them one more time before we wrap up? <laughs> sure. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at speechtimefun.com or whatever at speechtimefun. Uh, my website is speechtimefun.com and my DPT store is speechtimefun. My podcast is SLP Coffee Talk, which I'm on all the different streaming sites. And my membership is slpelevate.com. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for listening. Please check the show notes for all of Hallie's links that she mentioned. And also, if you know that you'd like to start building things that can help you be more efficient, serve your caseload more effectively, or even create resources that you might be able to use to create a side income, then definitely check out my 30 skills and tools to foster generalization. To grab your free copy of the guide, you're just going to want to sign up at drkarendudakbrandon.com backslash generalization. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash generalization. Before I sign off, I wanted to remind you that it helps me out so much if you leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And finally, if you have a suggestion for a guest on the show, if you know someone who has shown exemplary leadership in the clinical community, or if they're just doing something really interesting to serve kids in their community and they're not in a clinical role, I'd love to share their story on the podcast. Or maybe you have an inspiring story you'd like to share. Either way, I always love to hear about amazing guests that I can share with my listeners. So if you have a guest suggestion for the show, feel free to reach out to me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. For now, we'll wrap up and I will see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.